0: You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. Well, Church, I invite you today to open up your Bibles to the book of James. We're going to be in James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. If you don't have a copy of God's Word with you, don't worry about it. We'd encourage you to take one of those Black Pew Bibles there right in front of you. You can turn it to page 1012, and that's where we're, kind of, we're going to be camping out um, here this morning. Um, as we are doing that, let me kind of set, set the stage for what we're going to do today. So there are many things in life that need to work together to be effective. Right, cement mix needs water to be able to hold something in place. A phone needs a charger to operate well. A lamp needs a light bulb to illuminate a room. For some of you NEPA Old Forest people, pizza needs American cheese for it to work well. You guys are gross, all of you. But church, for our faith to be effective, it must be accompanied by good works. James one twenty two a verse that we just covered just a few weeks ago, says, But be doers of the word and not curers only, deceiving yourselves. So church, this morning, I simply want to ask the question, so what does effective faith look like? If James is pushing us to do good works, and obviously it is from James 1.22 and other verses that we've talked about already, what does effective faith actually tangibly look like in the life of a believer? What should we be doing for our faith to make a difference? And church, I believe that James 2, 14 through 26 gives us three characteristics of effective faith and the impact that it can have on others. Now listen, James 2, 14 through 26 is one of the most debated passages, not only in this letter, the letter of James, but probably in the entire New Testament. So I want to approach it today with humility. And I want to approach it with surgical accuracy. But most of all, I want to approach our time today with the help of God's Spirit. So before we even dig in, let's just come before our Heavenly Father one more time. And God, Lord, I thank you so much, Father, for your word, because it is true and right And it is good for instruction and reproof and for encouragement, God, that we would be mature followers of Jesus. That we would go past the the elementary things of faith and that we would live lives that make a difference in, in the communities that you have placed us in that make a difference in the relationships, God, that you have given to us. And God, Lord, your word... Points to a very strategic purpose why we're still here. And God, I pray, Lord, as we open up this portion in the book of James, God, that you would um, enlighten our eyes, Father, to it, that we would see the, the need, Father, to not just believe in the gospel, but to have good works that, that, marry, that are married to, God, our faith in Christ. And God, I pray, Lord, that today would be God, a day when, Lord, we just get it and the trajectory of our lives changes from this moment forward as we understand the purpose of, God, of why you've left us here in a world that so desperately needs hope. So, God, just be with us, Lord, as as we walk through these verses, God. May your spirit just work on our hearts. And I pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So church, let's just dig right in. Verse 14, James begins with a question, and he says, what good is it, my brothers, so he's talking to believers, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can that faith save him? So James is beginning by asking the question, if someone claims that they believe in Jesus, but you look at their life, and there, there's the void of good works, that the things that you wish, that we want people's lives to be all about, it's not there. James asked the question, can that faith really save someone? And before we dig into to the rest of the passage here, we need to understand this verse. And before we do that, I want to just remind you of a few things this morning. The first one simply is this, is that we are saved by trusting what Jesus has done, not what we continue to do. Church, if we were to, if I were to ask you, what is the gospel message? I I can break it down into just a few portions of scripture for you today. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works lest anyone should boast. Romans 3.28, the Apostle Paul says, For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Now the Apostle Paul is writing and says this, is that the good news of the gospel of Jesus is that we are saved not by completing good works, but by believing in what Jesus has already done for us. That's the good news. If If we believe that we had to continue to earn our way to heaven, that we had to continue to do good works to prove that we're saved, how is that good news? It's not. How is that a gift from God? It's not. It's something that we earn. And so the good news of the gospel of Jesus is that we trust in what Jesus has already done for us, not what we have to continue to do. Many of, you, many of you in here know John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, I'm not a Greek scholar. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a good grammar guy, but I do know this. After the word believe, there's nothing else there, right? It's not whoever believes in me and continues to live a good life, then you're saved. It's not whoever believes in me and, and, and joins a church and gets involved and leads a life group or anything else, then you're saved. No, it says whoever believes in me has eternal life. Church, one of the last things that Jesus proclaimed from the cross was it is finished. There's nothing else that you or I need to do to secure our salvation. And at that moment on the cross, while the burden of your sin and my sin was placed upon Jesus, He saw all of our sin. Not only before we were saved, but after we are saved. He saw all of our failings. But you know what? Jesus purchased our salvation that day. And something I just read. Recently from this author named Evan Raymond says, Jesus purchased our salvation. He knew what he was buying. And he does not keep receipts. That we are saved because of what Jesus has done for us. And if you are here today, and you believe that you need to continue to live and perform good works to either earn your salvation or prove that you're saved, I just want to ask you two brief questions. First question is, how many good works do you have to do to be sure that you're saved? How many? Secondly, how long do you have to do them? And church, I... I honestly believe that when we base our salvation upon what we do, it cheapens the gospel of grace. And it breeds a lack of assurance within God's people. If you believe that you have to continue to earn your way to heaven or prove that you're saved, you will never know that you're really a child of God. Because there's always someone better out there. There's always someone out there doing more things than you are. So where is that line for you? And Jesus says, the line is here. You believe in me. But the second thing I want to remind you this morning is this, that listen, while we're not saved by good works, we are saved for good works. If you, if you complete the rest of Ephesians chapter 2, if you go all the way to verse 10, it says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, good works do not save us, but God has called us to live a life of good works. Am I right? Good works will never earn our way to heaven, but God does call us and desires that our faith would make a difference here and now. So can faith without works save you from hell? I think from Scripture the answer is yes. But can faith without works save you from wasting your life now and your life making no impact for the kingdom of God? I would say that is yes as well. So if we want to have faith that makes a difference to those people around us, if we want to have, have a faith that, that impacts the kingdom of God for generations to come, we have got to marry our faith with good works. And this morning in James chapter 2, verses 15 through 26, James gives us three ways, three characteristics of what an effective faith looks like. And for the rest of our time, I want to walk through these things with you. So James chapter 2, 15 through 17 says this. It says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, What good is that? So also by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. James, in a way that only James can do, just comes out of the shoots, just full head of steam. And what what James is saying here is simply is this: It says, imagine someone coming to your door in the middle of the winter without a coat, without hat, without gloves, without the necessary clothing to keep them warm. And, And not only do they not have to keep them warm, but they haven't had food for that day, and they have no idea where, where that food, where that nourishment is going to come from. And imagine if someone came to your door and you saw, and you saw their need, they're, they're shivering, they're cold, they're hungry, and instead of going into your closet and handing them a coat and gloves, and instead of welcoming them into your kitchen and preparing them a meal, you opened up your Bible. And you told them about the God who is faithful to those in need. And you you, you told them about times within your life where where God has met your needs, where where you've needed things, and God has miraculously come through. And you say, not not only am I going to share with you about God, but I'm going to pray God's blessing over you. And then you let them go. You shut your door, and you scurry them on their way. Let me just ask you a question. What good did you just do? What good is that? And James is getting to this point here, is that, listen, we can talk good talk, we can be reminded of the faithfulness of God and what he's done in our lives, but if we're not willing to actually go ahead and meet tangible needs, our faith is useless. Verse 17, it says, Faith without works is dead. Now, dead here means so much more than just being dead or alive. The word dead literally means to have no benefit, to be useless, to be futile, to be sterile. And James James isn't talking about the quality of faith. Some people will look at this verse and say, if you don't help the poor, you're not really a Christian. I think we proved that already this morning, but James isn't saying that. James agrees with Paul that salvation is based upon faith in Jesus, not about what we do. But James does say, listen, if you see someone in need and you're not willing to put action to your faith, it is useless to the people around you. Many of us have heard the phrase, we use that word dead in other ways all the time. Many of us have heard the phrase or use the phrase, you're dead drunk. What does that mean? Is that person physically dead? No. That person at that moment, because of the amount of alcohol they have consumed, is useless to everyone around them. Paul, in Romans chapter 4, as he's talking about Abraham's old body and Sarah's barren womb, he he says you're considering them as good as dead, that they're unproductive. That there is nothing outside of a miracle of God where a child could come from someone who's 100 years old and someone who's following up right, right behind them. That we're dead literally just means of no benefit, useless to those people around us. So James is getting at this. He says, listen, effective faith meets tangible needs. Effective faith meets tangible needs. If our faith is going to make a difference in this world around us, we're going to have to sacrifice. We're going to have to meet physical, tangible needs of those people around us. Whether it's clothing or shelter, whether it's someone to listen to, whether it's helping someone buy groceries, whatever it may be, God calls us for our faith to make a difference. And the first way is that it would meet tangible needs. First John chapter three verses seventeen through eighteen. Such an awesome encouragement. But it says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? It says, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. John just puts it out there, he says, Listen. If you have the capability of meeting someone's needs and you don't, God's love, the love of the Father, is not in you. Now, it doesn't say God's spirit isn't in you. This isn't talking about salvation here. This is talking about God's love, God's compassion on others. And there is a time when words are are good enough, but church, if you are willing and able to meet someone's need, do it. Don't just talk about it. Don't just point them to someone. Actually, meet their actual need. So, I want you to ask this as you walk through each and every day, I want you to simply ask this question God, what tangible needs have you sent me to meet? I mean, we believe here in the sovereignty of God, right? Yes, we do. We believe that God has placed us in, in, in the specific neighborhoods and families and workplaces and schools by His sovereign hand. And so we can ask ourselves, God, why did you send me here today? God, why, why did you allow these coworkers to come to work today? God, why did you place me in this neighborhood? God, why did you place me in this church? God, what tangible needs have you sent me to meet? I'm telling you, you do that. You start asking those kinds of questions. God, what people have you placed in my life that need to be blessed? God, what acts of kindness have you called me to do today? And God's going to show up. And God's going to show you needs. And for your faith to be effective, you're going to take those needed steps of action. And you're going to meet those needs. And you living out your faith can make a difference in someone else's life. Parents and here with kids, they need to see us meeting the needs of others. They need to see us sacrificing what we have, what God has blessed us with, so that others can be blessed. I'm telling you, when your kids see that, when the unbelieving world sees that, your faith will make a difference. But not only does effective faith meet tangible needs, Effective faith puts doctrine on display. James 2, 18 through, 18 through 20, let's just read it, read it together. It says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. And you believe that God is one, you do well, even the demons believe and they shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, person that faith apart from works is useless? Now here, James has is, James is been around church. He knows that. Listen, you say something out there, not everyone's going to like it. And you'll probably hear it on a connect card, in an email, in an anonymous note just left on a pew. There's all a bunch of ways that, that church leadership, you know, people know that, hey, I don't like what you just said. And so James is dealing with what he knows, says, like, listen, people are, going, are not going to like this. And so this objection comes down to the fact that someone says, well, James, listen, you have your good works, you're encouraging people to live out their faith, but I have my faith. So you do you, you do all the good works you want, I'm content right here. I know the gospel, I have correct doctrine, but I really have no desire to live out my faith in the way that other people do. And James is saying, here, listen, if your Faith is going to make a difference in the world around you. You have got to put what you believe on display. And James here isn't saying that this person isn't saved. James says in verse 19, listen, you believe that God is one. That's Old Testament theology. And he says, and that, that's great. But faith without works is useless. Again, it's worthless to the people around us. And James goes on. And he says, listen, the problem with thinking that others can't see our faith comes down to this. He says, listen, so show me. If you're you're content with not adding good works to your faith, if you're content with that, let me ask you something. How do other people know that you're a believer? Other people can't see your heart. You can't see my heart. I can't see yours. The only way that I know that Jesus has changed your life is by how you live. So James is saying here, listen, the only way that other people are going to know that you actually believe these things to be true is how you live your life on a daily basis. We have got to be able to put doctrine on display. D.L. Moody says this quote, and I love it. He says, every Bible should be bound in shoe leather. Not fake leather, not faux leather, shoe leather. And what he means by that? is that every Bible, the truths of God's word, should be applied to our lives as often as possible. And as followers of Jesus, as we are dedicated to this book, and we are as a church, it doesn't just stop here on Sunday mornings, it goes out during the week. And every Bible should be bound by shoe leather, and people should be living out what they believe. So friends, let me just... Let me just ask you, what does the world need more than anything right now? It needs people, believers, who are willing to live out their faith, to put what they believe into practice. See, the world needs people who, are not, who not only say that there's an actual heaven and hell, but they live like it, like eternity matters. Our kids need to see us live with integrity, that we're the same people on Sunday morning as we are on Friday night. Our neighbors need to see us practicing hospitality. Not only thing, all those people say that they love, the, those people say that because God loves people, they should love people. They need to see it lived out each and every day. I am convinced that the world doesn't need another podcast The world doesn't need another theology book written. The world needs to see Christians who live out their faith each. Each and every day. Listen, this is as much on me as it is on you guys. This isn't like saying you guys need to do this. This is. This is on me. This is on our our pastoral team and our, our staff here and our elders and deacons and all the way down. For our church to make a difference, they need to see what we believe. And August 21st, Grace Night Out is a great way to get started. I believe that one of the best tools for evangelism is the church being the church together. Is the church loving each other? Is the church meeting meeting the needs of others? Is the church walking through life together? And, and unbelievers are going to come in. Those who don't, who don't know Jesus are going to come in, and they're going to think at first these people are weird, and that's all right. They're gonna they're gonna see us worship. And be like, why are they so excited about worshiping this God that they can't see? But that's okay. They're gonna ask, how can you have hope? when your life is crumbling around you. But sooner or later, they're going to see the hope that we have in Jesus. And what the world needs more than anything is the people to live out what they actually believe. So the question that I want you to think about based on these verses simply is this, is that am I living out what I believe? If I say that I believe this is true, and I cling to these hopes and this doctrine and my living a life of integrity that I am the same person who not only knows and believes these truths but lives it out each and every day. Effective faith puts doctrine on display. The last thing we'll, be, we'll finish up. Simply put is effective faith has recognizable righteousness. Recognizable righteousness. James 2 verses 21 through 26 In the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as a body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Listen, there's a lot of content there that I want to walk through with you. The first thing that I want to bring up is that word justified. How many of you guys know what justified means? Just as if I never said, I heard it over here. Yes, the word justified means to be declared righteous, just as if I had never sinned. But church, there are two justifications that James brings out here. One is that we are justified before God. We are, we are viewed as righteous before God. How? By our faith. By believing in Jesus. It says here that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. That's Genesis 15. This is way before... A, Abraham ever offered up his son Isaac. So we are justified before God. Our relationship with God is restored and repaired based upon our faith and trust in what Jesus has already done for us. That is the gospel. But we are also justified before men. See, because again, I go. I, we'll go back to that point. I can't see your heart. And you can't see mine. And the way that we are justified, declared righteous, declared friends of God by other people, by the world around us. It's through our actions. And church, Abraham was justified through, by, the, by, by his offering of Isaac on the altar, Genesis 22.6. So Abraham was justified before God, Genesis 15. Abraham was justified before men by his good works, Genesis 22. So what James is getting at here is that the more that we live at our faith, the more that that we say, yes, I believe in God, but I'm going to actually trust him by, by doing good works, by obeying his commands, by doing what he says. It's at that moment our faith is being completed and matured and strengthened as we obey our Heavenly Father's call upon our life. And when we do that, people will notice. Think about it. Think about the long-term effects of that one day in Abraham's life. Hebrews talks about it. Here, James talks about it. I think Abraham had no idea the, the effect of that one act of obedience was going to have upon generation upon generations of Christians But James puts it in here as a reminder that, hey, people need recognizable acts of righteousness. And when they see you do good works, they're going to glorify your Father in heaven, Matthew chapter 5. So what James is encouraging us to do here is like, hey, let's not be content to be simply followers of Jesus, believers in Jesus. Let's live it out each and every day. And as we do so, the impact upon the world around us can be unprecedented. But James not only mentions Abraham, James mentions a lady named Rahab. Rahab is a prostitute, was a prostitute. Joshua chapter 2, Rahab was living in the, the city of Jericho. And at, the, at, at that time, Rahab had probably already heard of the God of Israel because of what he did to the, to the Egyptians Parting the Red Sea, bringing everyone through. Rahab heard that about God. I think believed in who He was. Turned from her other gods, but she had a moment, moment of time within her history where she was able to live out her faith. See, Joshua had sent spies into Jericho to kind of map out the land, kind of see see what's going on, and Rahab brought those spies in but then also put them out a different way, saving those spies, those spies' lives. And so at that moment, where Rahab took the risk upon herself, upon her family, Rahab's life was saved. And So when Jericho fell, the only house that stood was Rahab's house and her family's house. That was it. And God blessed her for her obedience. But God also gave, gave us, in James chapter 2, just a reminder of what happens when we step out in faith. Rahab is an amazing picture of hospitality. If you miss it, Brian this morning, um, Brian Beeger in, in our 9 o'clock hour talked about the importance of hospitality and being devoted to fellowship with one another. Well, you know what? Hospitality is hard. For many of us, it's hard. In, in the culture that we live in, hospitality is not the norm being able to open up your home to someone who is different from you and welcoming them in and sharing a meal and talking about what God is doing, doing in our lives can be often be uncomfortable with rising food costs. It is costly. But Rahab's obedience, this recognizable righteousness, is for us today to be a reminder. Man, when we step out in faith, God can do amazing things. Not only did Rahab save the those spies' lives, but she saved her own life as well. In verse 17, it simply says, to kind of wrap everything up, James finishes up by saying, sorry, in verse 26, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Church, have you ever been to a funeral or to a wake or Visiting hours, there's a casket there. and You can go and see your loved one, but there is no recognizable life in that person at that moment. That's why they're there. And church, if there is no recognizable acts of faith, no recognizable good works within our lives, our faith is dead. It is useless for those people around us. There are no signs of life. Church, what this world needs more than anything right now is life and hope. And the idea that the God of the universe is worth fighting for, is worth following after, worth sacrificing for. And when people see that, when people see how much We're willing to take risks for our Heavenly Father, believing that he's going to keep his promises to us. It matters. It makes a difference. And what the world needs now more than ever is to see that we are different. That's what the world needs more than anything else. To see that this God that we serve actually matters, is worth following, is worth taking risks for, is worth being able to sacrifice for. And I truly believe Matthew 5 when it says, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. This isn't about us, guys. This isn't about what people think about us. Our good works are a conduit, are, are an avenue for, the, for others to worship and glorify our Heavenly Father. And we have the honor to be able to be on this journey with him as we continue to follow after Jesus. So church, let me, let me close with this. Martin Luther, great Reformed theologian, once said, God doesn't need your good works. Your neighbor does. As we close, I want to make one thing clear. See, God doesn't need or has never asked you to earn your way to heaven, or add to what Jesus has already done. God doesn't need you to meet the real needs of those people around you, but your neighbor does. God doesn't require you to live out what you believe, but your neighbor does. And God doesn't even need us to live righteously so that we can earn our place in heaven. But church, your neighbor does. Your kids do. This valley does. So as I close, I'm going to invite the praise team forward as we just close with one more song, kind of focusing our hearts upon what Jesus has done for us. Let me give you this opportunity to simply do business with God. James 2, 14 through 26 however you interpret it, is a hard-hitting, difficult passage. And James is calling us to real life change here. James is calling us not just to talk about the goodness of God, but to live out and be the goodness of God to others. And I don't know about you, but as I walk through this passage this week, God began doing some things in my heart. So I really believe that God is working here as well. And so I want to give you the opportunity, the opportunity today to simply ask God, God, I want my life to count. That God, I want my faith to make a difference. I don't want my 40, 50, 60, 70, how many years I have left on this earth, I want it to count to count for eternity. We don't often do this, but but if God is working on your heart today, as we sing this last song, as our prayer team comes up as well, I'm going to give you the opportunity to come forward and to simply say, in front of people that love you. I want to encourage you in your faith. Simply say, to, "Now is the time. And I want my faith, I want my faith to make a difference. So if God is working on your heart, God's encouraged you to take the next step, we'd encourage you to come forward during our last song. Our prayer team is going to be up here. We can, they can pray over you if you'd like. But may this day change the course of history in your life. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray over you guys one more time. And again, if you mean business with God, let's come forward. So God, Lord, we thank you, God, for, God for your word today. God, I thank you for the truth in it. God, I thank you for the hope. Lord, that we're not just here waiting for our time to to come to for you to come down and bring us back to heaven, Lord. And but God, you've given us a mission here now. To live out our faith each and every day, to make a difference to a dying and unbelieving world around us. So, God. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you just work in the hearts of our people. I pray, Lord, for obedience, for courage. I pray, God, for gospel opportunities. God, I pray, Lord, that today would be the day that makes all the difference within our lives. We love you, and we're going to praise you for it, Father. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.